Greetings, everybody. Great to see you folks tonight. Uh, so very thankful that you're here. If you would, stand with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. As we open our service tonight, ask the Lord to be with us, to direct our hearts, minds through uh, this Bible study tonight. Let's talk to the Lord for a moment. Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for this moment again together around the Word of God. We're thankful for your hand and guidance in our lives. We're thankful, God, for all of your blessing, for the outpouring of your spirit. We pray that you move here tonight, that our hearts and minds could be focused on what thus saith the word of God, that we could be open to you to hear your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank the Lord. Greet somebody close to you. Tell them I'm just glad to see you. And God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, what a time we had here this past Sunday. Uh, wonderful, wonderful service. And uh, so thankful for the moving and the outpouring of God's spirit tonight. Uh, we're going to jump right into our Bible study. And uh, I'm going to ask you again to open your heart tonight to the word of God. And uh, let, the, let the word of God minister to you tonight. I want to read tonight from Matthew chapter 22 beginning with verse 34. The Bible said, but when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? That would be the law of Moses. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second commandment is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight, a, a Bible study that I am very motivated by and uh, very passionate about. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about the law of love. The law of love. <clears throat> Somebody has said that love may not make the world go round, but it makes the trip worthwhile. <clears throat> Those words perhaps gather up the sentiment of the, of the world that the sweetest and most exhilarating of all emotions and experiences is love. So in whatever age or with whatever group of people, it has been the almost universal belief that love is the greatest thing in life, the virtue par excellence. Consequently, volumes upon volumes of poems, songs, plays, novels, films, have been produced about love. Nothing is sweeter than love, nothing more courageous, nothing higher, nothing wider, nothing more pleasant, nothing fuller, nor better in heaven and earth. God's word concurs that love is the greatest virtue, but the love that it elevates as supreme is of a much deeper and 
more substantive kind than that which the world understands and admires. So in response to the third in a series of three questions posed to Jesus by his adversaries for the purpose of discrediting and entrapping him, Jesus declared that agape love is the supreme love. It's the supreme divine requirement of men, both in regard to himself and in regard to other men. It's strange to me, and I'd like for all of you to pay attention to this statement. It's strange when one comes to think of it that we should be commanded to love. Love is a feeling that does not spring up at the summons of another. Love has an independence of its own. It, it, it comes and goes. It waxes and wanes without any conscious effort of our will, almost without our even knowing why. But to the average Jew of the large time, familiar with the words from his childhood and bound by his religion to recite the passage from Deuteronomy twice every day, the commandment would have presented no difficulty. To Jesus himself, it presented no difficulty. Jesus took into account the mental and moral atmosphere of the individual soul when he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Jesus was not insisting on something that men could not do. He was setting an ideal before them that it was in their power to attain if only they would make the effort. I want to stop and say, to me, God is not hard to love. And it's a shame that we have to be commanded to love him. But Jesus was not calling upon men to do what was completely foreign to their nature. What they had no power or wish to perform, but was appealing to something in the human heart which he knew was ready to hear and to make answer to his call. So in spite of all that may be truly said about the natural man being at enmity with God, the deepest feeling and the deepest want of the human heart is to love its creator. God made man that way. Love cannot be constrained by a command, but it can be won by an appeal. An appealing love draws out an answering love. And it was this appealing love of God which Jesus made known to men. There are masses of men who do not love God, who hardly think of Him at all, but all have the power and all would have the desire to love Him if only they could be brought to think of Him and to feel the reality of his love for them. So I want to talk to you tonight for a few minutes about the law of love, the 
law of love is a natural force of humanity. It will help us to understand this principle if we first distinguish it from some other principles of our nature. For example, the law of love is to be extinguished from the principle of will. And in some regards, love is even opposed to it. All human lives that are following the law of will and the law of self and the law of individualism are breaking life's true law and missing life's true aim. I want to say that again because it's applicable here tonight. All human lives, all of them, that are following the law of will, of self, of individualism, are breaking life's true law and missing life's true aim. Mary Roselle once said, when another man's burden becomes more important than your burden, that is the beginning of love. Robert Schuller said, love is deciding to make your problem my problem. Ogmandino said, true love, listen to pastor tonight, true love is a gift on which no return is demanded. To love unselfishly is its own reward. To love for fulfillment, satisfaction, or pride is no love. It is ministering to others to which we are called by the law of love. It has been said that the train of brotherly love rides on the track of concern and compassion. So the proof of love is in what we do and not in just what we say. The law of love is to be distinguished from the principle of knowledge. Knowledge is not a primary fact of life and can never become an ultimate law. Paul told the church at Corinth, Listen to the word of God. Paul told the church at Corinth in the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians that knowledge shall vanish away, but love will never fail. So finally, the law of love is wholly opposed, is completely opposed to the spirit of fear. Fear is not natural to man, though most of us would be hard-pressed to believe that to that to be true, fear only came to man when tempted by knowledge. Man transgressed the obedience of love, and having transgressed, he hid himself from the presence of God. And Adam represents all of us. We hide from God because we have sinned, and we sin because we fear. But when we kneel at the foot of the cross and feel that because God loves us, we must love God and learn again the law of life, the law of being. As Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. God has made you to love him to have communion with Him. And in that perfect communion, the law of God is not broken. 
And that law is that with all your heart and with all your being, with all the powers that you have, shall you love God. I want to stop right here. I've been, as I said at the very beginning, that I feel very motivated and feel a lot of passion about this presentation tonight. But the more I go into this, the more I'm feeling the absolute leading of the Holy Ghost. There's people here tonight that need to hear this presentation. God has made you to love Him. God has made you to have communion with Him. And in that perfect communion, the law of God, the, the law of God is not broken. And that law is that with all your heart, with all your being, with all the powers that you have, Jesus said, shall you love God. The reason shall be linked to heaven and affection linked to heaven and conscience linked to heaven and idea and imagination and all the powers of the mind and soul linked to heaven by this eternal principle called love. So now that we maybe understand a little bit about the law of love, let me talk to you about the law of love to God. The psalmist gives us this directive. Oh, love the Lord, all ye saints. Oh, love the Lord, all ye saints. I want everybody to understand here tonight. I want everybody to understand here tonight. I'm not talking about some religious fluffy thing that we've heard all of our lives in church about loving Jesus and Jesus loves us or whatever. This is commandments. This is God's heart put out in front of us, if you will. Uh, to love God the way he commands us to love him, not the way we think. We should love him. That's the point. I want everybody to understand here tonight. God's not given us four or five different options, and we can pick option A to love God if we really want to commit, but God's okay with loving him with option two. And if option two is a little too hard, then you can love God with option three. There are no, there, there, there are no options here. Is everybody on board with me tonight? So the psalmist said, Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. Now, really, do we, if we are called the saints of God, do we need to be exhorted to love Him? If we do, shame on us. But I believe we do. But if not, I'm quite sure that we should be ashamed and confounded that it should ever be needful for us to be urged by anybody that we should love the Lord. Are y'all hearing me tonight? Considering that God has done so much for us and manifested such wondrous love to such unworthy ones as we are, we ought to love Him as naturally as sparks of fire ascend towards the night sky. Or the waters of the river run toward the sea. It should be that natural that all of us 
should have this consuming, dynamic, powerful love for God. It should be second nature to us from now on to love the Lord without the slightest prompting. What the law required, the gospel should have wrought in us. What the law required, just hearing the gospel, it should have sprung to life automatically. To love the Lord our God. When you hear the gospel, just automatically something needs to just shoot up from us on the inside that says, I love the Lord my God with all my heart and with all my mind and with all my soul and with all my strength. But for some reason, we still need this exhortation and commandment from the Bible to do it. So in fact, today we ought to take, take, it, take it in and hear it as if it had been spoken personally to each one of us who are the Lord's saints. Oh, love the Lord. Let your attention be on nothing else but this. Rid yourself of every other thought and let every emotion of all your affections run in this one channel toward God. Oh, love the Lord, all ye saints. In our text, Jesus used heart, soul, and mind to express the dimensions of our love for God. The term should be taken together to mean you love God with your whole being. I taught along this line several weeks ago. You just can't pick that I'm going to love God with all my heart but not my mind. And I'm going to love God with all my soul but not my, my heart. You, you can't just roll them around in a cup and turn them over and, and, and say, well, whichever one popped up, that's what I'll do. It doesn't work that way. But let me explain tonight that heart refers primarily to our emotional response and When we think about love, we usually stop with the emotions. The helpful roles of soul and mind become clear when our emotions, when our heart fails us. We've talked about this. We've talked about it. God help me tonight. We've talked about it. I know people. I've known people. Sister Murphy and I talk about it frequently. In our house, riding down the street in the car, whatever that so-and-so used to be so on fire for God, but something happened, and they, they backslid. They walked away from God. Their marriage fell apart. Their kids went haywire. It's because they loved God with their heart, and when their heart failed, when their emotions failed, their relationship with God failed. You know people. You know people. So that's why Jesus said it's more than just heart or emotion-based love. The helpful roles of soul and mind become clear when our emotions fail us. Soul includes the willful decision-making part of us. Loving God with our soul covers those times when we love God apart from our feelings. Such as when we truly forgive another while parts of us still feel like exacting revenge on that person. I'll be honest with you tonight, I've struggled with it. I've 
I've looked at what little knowledge of the Word of God that I have, and I know that I have to forgive people. And sometimes I have to forgive people of some pretty low-down, sorry, disgusting, despicable things. My mind tells me that's the right thing to do. But my heart wants to put my hands around their neck and just choke the living daylights out of them. But that's why you love God, not just with your heart. There's people here tonight, there's people sitting in this building tonight that are still serving God right now because you understand that principle. Had you followed your heart, you wouldn't be here tonight. Mind. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your mind. It refers to an active component of our love for God. In a world where faith is often described as characteristic of people who don't think. Jesus' words point to the importance of engaging our mind as a central aspect of what we believe. The word for love, which means totally unselfish love, is a love that human beings are capable of only with the help of the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit helps us love Him as we ought. God wants our warm-hearted love and devotion and not just our obedience. It's a law of love to God. I want to tell everybody here tonight, besides just all the cultural upheaval in our society today, Prophecy is still going to come to pass, and it's coming to pass. It's not going to get easier to serve God and to stay right with God. And if you're only loving God with a part of you, you're not going to survive. hope everybody understands that. So the law of love to God is you love Him with your total whole being. You listen to Pastor right now. Everybody listen to me. I don't know why I say that because very few people do. That's a true statement. I have spoken to people thus saith the word of God and they get up and walk out and do whatever they want to do and then their lives fall apart and they come back and want Pastor to help fix it. Had that conversation tonight with Sister Murphy on the way to church. If you truly love God tonight, there's nothing that he could ask you to do that you wouldn't be willing to do if you really love him. One of the greatest tests for people's love of God is when God asks them to do something they don't want to do or when he asks you to live in a way that you don't want to live. Let me just spend a few moments tonight about the law of love to man. How should we love men? There was a wonderful person here Sunday that I thought there was such an outpouring of love on this person. And God ministered to this person in such an amazing, amazing, beautiful, beautiful way. And I applaud Grace Church. 
being open to somebody who is just a little bit different than what we are. So the Bible said that loving God is the first, is the first and the greatest commandment. So if you don't love God, you can just start right there. Your life is, is in serious trouble. Just if you don't love God, it's, it's a commandment you're disobeying. This is just, it's pounding my heart tonight. I may preach this Sunday. Just go through it again. My heart is throbbing on the inside of me tonight. We should not have to be commanded to love Jesus. And neither should we have to be commanded to live like he wants us to live. But loving God is the first and greatest commandment. But Jesus did not stop there. He put an addendum upon that. Not only did he say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. He said, wait, wait, let me add something else. And the second commandment is, is like it. That you should, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the second law. And as far as God is concerned, it is as equally important as the first. So bottom line is how can you love God and then not love your fellow man? The second law focuses on our horizontal relationships. That's with one another. It's those, those relationships with fellow humanity. Paul in his letter to the Galatians writes, For the whole law is summed up in one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus meant, and Paul meant as well, that you can't love your neighbor in Christ's sense without implying all that Christ was and stands for. It's easy to love Christ the more you come to see and know him as truly your Lord and your Savior. However, the more you see of your neighbor Let me rewind, make sure you're on board. The more you see God, the more you should love him. The more God reveals himself to you, the more you should love him. But with our neighbor, oftentimes the more we see of that person, the less easy it is to love him. A person cannot maintain a vertical relationship with God without also maintaining the horizontal relationships with his or her neighbor. On the Mount of Transfiguration, watch this. Peter proclaimed, y'all remember that? <clears throat> On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter spoke up and said, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Hallelujah. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And we'll stay here in this cloudless serenity of this mountaintop experience, always loving Jesus and shouting and dancing. That's my commentary. But watch this. Immediately upon descending from the mountaintop, they were met by a concerned father with a lunatic son. And Jesus, 
by his actions informs Peter and the others that you cannot love me up there without loving that man down here. See, I don't say this to be funny. Don't laugh. I'm not being funny. We don't like to hang around with people who have demoniac kids. We don't want them in our house. We don't want them playing with our kids. We don't want them in our church. We don't want them in our Sunday school class. I'm drawing a line here. We say we love God, but how do we manifest it? How do we show it? We show it the best in the people that we know, that we love, that we trust. But you meet some dude that walks up who's got a devil-possessed kid, and all of a sudden we're... Go talk to the pastor. Go, go see the pastor. He'll take care of that. You read, the, you read, the, you read the, the Bible. You read the gospel. The, the disciples were frustrated because they couldn't cast the devil out of that little boy. And Jesus had a little bit of a conversation with them. They tried to pin it on faith. But Jesus had already instructed three of them on top of the mountain on how to love people. You have just seen me. You have gotten a revelation of me like nobody else has ever seen. The Bible said Jesus was transfigured in front of them. They saw no man only. They saw no man save Jesus only. They didn't see any flesh. A curtain was rolled back and they saw what was on the inside of that body. They had a revelation of him that nobody on this planet had ever had and walked straight down from that mountain and was confounded by a father who was desperate to have his son delivered from the devil. How can you spend a moment like that with God up in the mountain and then come down and be prejudiced towards a situation below you that's beneath you that you don't want to fool with? Greek word translated neighbor that Jesus referred to. It's not literally your next door neighbor, but it's just fellow human beings in general. It's just your fellow man. So what would we do if four or five meth addicts showed up someday? What would we do if people of just completely different lifestyles. I don't want to start, I hate labels. I just, what if people, all these various lifestyles just showed up at Grace Church? What would we, we shy away from these people? Especially when they're asking for deliverance. The love of a, the, a, a person, the love a person has for himself or herself in the sense of looking out for oneself, caring about the best interest of one's self, should be continued when it comes to other people. Your, your idea of self-preservation and my idea of keeping, you know, everything about me appropriate and proper and, um, you know, to, to care about myself and I don't want to hurt myself. And um, I remember uh, our, our friends in Lafayette that we used to ride motorcycles with uh, she made the comment one time that 
every time her husband took off on his motorcycle, she would say, please drive safe. And he looked back at her one time and said, why do you think I want to crash and wreck myself on the bike? I don't, in other words, I don't need for you to tell me to be safe. He wasn't being ugly, but he didn't want to hurt himself. Every time I get behind the wheel of my car, I, I'm not this daredevil just wishing I could ram into somebody and just see how much I can get tore up in a wreck and see if I can survive it or not. We're very careful with our lives and what the Bible teaches. When it comes to our fellow man, we should have the same level of concern. It's a heavy cross to bear. But here's the thing that's interesting to me. It's interesting to me, Brother Dave, what I'm about to say. Jesus told these men accusing him, these Pharisees and Sadducees that were accusing him that day, trying to trap him on what the greatest commandment was. He informed them and he informed us that on those two commandments, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. On those two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets of the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments and all of the other Old Testament laws are summarized in these two laws by fulfilling these two commands to love God totally and to love others as oneself then a person would be more than willing and more than happy without any complaint or problem to keep all the other commandments. I've come to a conclusion a long time ago, and I, when I, I, especially when I teach holiness, the, the crux of it to me, and it's, it's biblical, but... We understand the Bible teaches that we're the bride of Christ and um, so you can compare our relationship with God to a husband and wife. And I've asked the question many, many times, especially in counseling. I asked somebody one time, had husband and wife sitting in my office? And I looked at one of them and I said, do you cheat on the other one? Do you commit adultery on the other one? And they were horrified. No. I said, why? Well, because I love them. Uh, I looked at the other one. I said, when you get off work, do you come home every day to your husband and wife at home, whichever the case was? And Absolutely. Why? Who told you that? What rule book did you get that out of? Was there a book that you read when you got married that I've never even heard of that when you get married you get all these rules that you have to obey to be happily married? And they both concluded that even though we're having marital problems, you know, whatever, Pastor, we, we still love each other. And I said, aha, that's the whole thing. You'll do anything for your spouse. Somebody told me just the other day, I would die for my spouse. I would die for my child. 
and they meant it. They had tears streaming down their face. One week ago, somebody told me, if you love God, if you could love God as much as you love your spouse, your parents, your children, if you could just love God that much, it would be real hard for God to ask you to do anything that you wouldn't want to do. We would be willing to do with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the law of love. And I want to remind all of us here tonight, I want you to start thinking of it different. Grace Church, start thinking of it different when you read about the love of God. This has just been pounding in me all week. I've repented over and over. I got in bed last night. I could hear Sister Murph was asleep, and I was talking to God 100 miles an hour. God, show me. Show me things I've never seen before. Let me see you like I've never seen you before. We, we, we talk about babies. We, we dedicated Nate and Courtney's little, little baby Avery Sunday. I mean, who can't love that child? Who can't, who can't look at that little face and, and not love that child? I mean, we, we have babies all around this church. They're everywhere, and they keep coming. And when they're born, it don't matter whose child it is. When you look in that face, and you, it's just a thing of beauty. It's, it's, it's a miracle. It is amazing. Well, if you can have those feelings looking at a newborn infant, what kind of feeling should you have when you see God through his word and manifested in every aspect of our life? And did you forget where that baby came from and who made that baby? David said, before I was conceived in the womb, you knew me. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight. I'm going to ask you to give this Bible study all, all the time and attention it requires. But I'd like for us to have a little commitment session here right now, and a little repentance session. I hate to say it, but I've already done it. I'm one step ahead of you. But God, I'm sorry that I know so much about you. And I've seen you do so many amazing, absolutely mind-boggling things. And I am so sorry that I don't love you more than I do. I hope there's somebody here tonight is, is feeling my heart. When I look at Dawson here tonight, there's something that wells up on the inside of me that said that, that miracle should make me love God even more. And, and I remember when uh, Tanya's little boy was healed that Sunday morning when Dave just sat him down on the floor and he ran all, when Tucker ran all the way across the floor, God healed his hip instantly. We should have fell on our face before God and said, God, look how amazing. You are amazingly beautiful and wonderful and powerful. God, I just love you. I love you. I love you. I love you love you. I love you when I look at the things that God has done for Sister Murphy and I just over the past year in spite of all the COVID and in spite of all the stuff going on and all the negative stuff going on to us personally God has been a, a, the blessing that he's poured out in our lives has just been mind boggling why hasn't that made me love him even more
one of the writers said that greater love hath no man than this that a man will lay his life down for his friends. My ultimate conclusion tonight is how in the world can you take a trip up to Calvary's Hill and see what he did on that cross for you and for your family and not love him passionately and be willing to do anything he asks you to do. Let's pray together. Let's just have a moment here tonight, shall we? Everybody, would you pray for a moment, God? Forgive us of our, our own humanity and our failure to understand, our failure to comprehend and to see the beautiful things that you are, the amazing things that you are. And in a world that's full of crud, a world that's full of despicable things and immorality and hatred and more immorality and sin and, and all the horrible, horrible things in our world, when we see you against that backdrop, it should make you even brighter and greater and more glorious and cause us to love you even more, to love you even more, to love you even more. God, speak to our church tonight. Speak to this church tonight. Help us to hear what thus saith the word of God. Help us to hear what thus saith the word of God. Help us, God, to love you the way that we have been commanded to love you, to be willing to do it without commandment, to give to you all of our heart, to surrender to you everything we are. We ask it in Jesus' name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Well, I want to say to you again, um, you may hear a repeat of this this coming Sunday. I don't feel the burden of it lifted. I'm going to pray about it. You help me pray about it. But I believe God wants us to love him more. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. Would you take advantage of this time and just walk around the building and tell somebody how much you love them. And let the love of God be made manifest in you tonight. God bless you folks in Jesus' name.